Today we're going to be continuing our series in the Gospel of John, looking at John chapter 14. So would you please open your Bibles to John 14. Uh, You can also find it on page 847 in the Pew Bibles in front of you. And as you're opening there, I'm just going to give a brief recap. Remember, we're studying what theologians call the upper room discourse. Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. His public ministry has ended, and he is putting all his focus on his disciples. This is his farewell speech before he goes away. Remember, it's his hour. The the time of his death is drawing near. The next day, he will be crucified on the cross. And the disciples at this point are troubled because Jesus has told them that he is going away and that they cannot come with him. Jesus has said that one of them will betray him. And he said that Peter's going to deny him. And so in this moment, Jesus seeks to comfort his disciples whom he loved so much. Just like he did in verses 1 to 14. Jesus continues to tell his disciples things to comfort them so that their hearts would not be troubled. So take a look at John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. 
He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is God's word. Let's pray. Our God, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us this morning to know, believe, and obey your word. Would you illuminate the text before us? Be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, even though the disciples were probably pretty well aware of the references to the Spirit of God that were in the Old Testament, this was the first time that they had actually heard any extended teaching on the Holy Spirit. And there's no other place in Scripture where the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is presented as clearly as in the Gospel of John, specifically in chapters 14 to 16. But why talk about the Holy Spirit here? Why now? Because Jesus knew that the promise of the Holy Spirit would mean comfort for the troubled hearts of the disciples. The Spirit would be with or, or dwell with them forever. He, he would be the means by which they would have a spiritual union with the Father and Jesus. And the Spirit would empower them to love and obey Jesus. And so in this sermon, we're going to ask three questions. Simple yet important questions. Number one, who is the Spirit? Who is the Spirit? Number two, what does the Spirit do? And number three, how do we know that we have the Spirit? So who is the Spirit? What does the Spirit do? And how do we know that we have the Spirit? And the main point, what I hope you see in the text is this. The Holy Spirit comforts and empowers disciples to love and obey Jesus. The Holy Spirit comforts and empowers disciples to love and obey Jesus. All right, so let's consider the first question. Who is the Spirit? And that's the right question to ask. We shouldn't ask, what is the Spirit? Because the Spirit is not an it. He is a person. Do you see the personal pronouns in the text here? In verse 17, Jesus says that the, the world cannot receive the Spirit because it neither sees him or knows him. And then, and then we see in verse 26, Jesus says, he, the Spirit, will teach you. The Spirit is a person, not an it. He's not some impersonal force or presence. He is the third person of the Trinity, and he is God. But isn't it kind of interesting that Jesus is, is nearing his death, and he takes time to speak about the Father and the Spirit? He's revealing both the Father and revealing the Spirit. And in this passage, Jesus tells his disciples who the Spirit is, what he does, and he promises to send the Spirit when he goes to the Father. 
So the Spirit is a person. We also see that he is the Spirit of truth. Look at verse 16 again. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Notice that Jesus doesn't call him the Spirit of feelings or the Spirit of emotions, but the Spirit of truth. People often associate the Spirit with the things that they feel. But here in this passage, Jesus says that he is the Spirit of truth, of rational truth. In, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, Peter tells us that the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. He is the one who carried men along to be able to write the Bible. He is the reason we actually have the Bible. And he is the one who helps us understand the Bible. Why would he speak outside of what he has already said? Do you want to know how the Spirit speaks? He speaks through his revealed and sufficient word. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, the Apostle Paul writes, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. He is the Spirit of truth who helps us understand the things given us by God. Without Him, we cannot understand the Bible. And then that title, Spirit of Truth, it means more than just one who, who gives and helps others understand truth. That word truth is significant in the Gospel of John. Think about what Jesus had just said a couple of verses before in verse 14. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the truth. And so Jesus is saying to these disciples, even the spirit of truth will come to be with you. He's saying, someone like me is coming to be with you. And then in verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. We will address that word helper in a second. But notice, Jesus says, another. The Greek word used here means another of the same kind. And so what Jesus is telling his disciples is that whatever the Spirit would be and do when he came, it would be a continuation of what the disciples had already known and experienced this past three years with Jesus. Whatever is true about Jesus is true about the Spirit. So in these verses, we see the doctrine of the Trinity. All three persons are here. And all three persons, by means of the Spirit, dwell together in believers. We as Christians believe in a triune God, one God, and yet three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so who is the Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is God himself, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and he has come to you, and he's sent by Jesus to dwell with you forever. 
And think about this. This is the same spirit who knit Jesus in the womb of Mary. This is the same spirit that guided Jesus all throughout his earthly ministry. This is the same spirit by which Jesus cast out demons and performed miracles. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the spirit that Jesus says he's going to send his disciples. This is why their hearts should not be troubled and why they shouldn't be afraid. We've seen who the spirit is. Now let's consider that question. What does the spirit do? And this passage is really clear about what the spirit comes to do. In verse 16, Jesus says that the spirit comes to be with you forever or dwell with you forever. J.C. Ryle says, when we read of the Spirit abiding forever with the disciples, it means that he will not, like Christ after his resurrection, return to the Father, but will always be with God's people until Christ comes again. Think about that. The Holy Spirit never ascends to heaven. He descends and he remains. He's not going anywhere. The Holy Spirit is always going to be revealing truth about Jesus in the lives of his disciples. He's going to be with you forever. And then also in verse 16, Jesus says that the Father will give you another helper. So now we've already discussed what that Greek word for another means, another of of the same kind, but now let's focus on that word helper. We see it in verse 16, and then we see it again in verse 26. And if you look at multiple Bible translations, you'll notice that that word helper is translated differently. In some translations, you'll see helper or comforter or counselor or strengthener or advocate or even paraclete, which is the Greek word, the literal Greek word for this word. But that, and that word paraclete means someone who comes by your side and argues with you. So someone who comes by your side and argues with you. This is legal language. And so I think the best word to use here would actually be advocate. An advocate is similar to a lawyer. And a lawyer has two basic responsibilities in the courtroom. One, the lawyer talks to the judge for you. And two, the lawyer or advocate talks to you and tells you what to say and what not to say. And the Spirit is our advocate. Remember what Jesus says, I will give you another helper. By saying another, that means that you have two. Two paracletes, two advocates, So who's the other advocate? Well, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, John writes, My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So Jesus Christ is our advocate. And that word for advocate in 1 John is the same exact word used in John 14. 
You have two advocates, Christians. Jesus stands before the Father in heaven on our behalf, and he says, my body was broken. My blood was spilled for them. And because I died and suffered your wrath on their behalf, they are acquitted, not guilty. Jesus is our advocate, but also the Spirit is our advocate. He comes alongside us and reminds us of the advocate that we have in heaven. And he also comes to us in moments where we feel discouraged and defeated. And the Spirit reminds us, like Paul says in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit advocates for us, reminds us who we are. He's another helper. Why do I keep on believing in Jesus? Why, why do you keep on believing in Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's keeping us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's preserving us. The only reason I continue believing in Jesus Christ is because the Holy Spirit is my advocate. If, if we were left up to ourselves, we would not continue believing in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. In fact, we, we wouldn't have believed in the first place if it weren't for the Holy Spirit. He's our advocate. We also see that he's our teacher. In verse 16, Jesus describes him as the spirit of truth. And then in verse 20, Jesus says, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus says that the Spirit reveals deep things about the relationship between the Father and the Son, and then also deep things about our relationship with Jesus and being united to him. And then in verse 26, Jesus says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The disciples saw Jesus as their teacher. In chapter 13, he calls himself their Lord and teacher. And so the thought of Jesus leaving them meant that their teacher would be gone. Who would guide them? And so Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit will teach them all things and will help them remember all that he has said. The Holy Spirit has a ministry of instruction in the truth, in the truth of the gospel. And yet we have to understand that there are things that Jesus says in verse 26 that are unique to these 11 disciples. And yet he's also saying something to all his disciples. So what is Jesus saying that is unique to these 11 disciples? Well, when he says that the Spirit will teach them all things and help them remember all that he had said, he's talking to some of them who would go on to write some of the books of the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the Bible. And so as he is sent, he's sent in order to help these men write down the revelation of God. 
The Holy Spirit reminded John of these things that Jesus said and did. And so he was able to write down this gospel that we've been studying. This is part of the reason why we can have confidence in the accuracy of the gospels. Because they don't rely on natural ability for a human to remember these things, to recall what Jesus said and did. But the Holy Spirit was there to remind them of all that Jesus said and did. And so that was what is unique about the 11 disciples. And so now for us, the Holy Spirit continues to be the spirit of truth, to be our teacher. And he does this through the written word of God. He teaches us. He helps us understand the Bible. He reminds us of the words and promises that are found in the scriptures. He reminds us of the great love of Jesus. And and know that he always works together with the word of God. And so it should never be the case in our lives where we, we might say, well, I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me into this when whatever it is is contrary to the word of God. The Spirit would never do that. He is the Spirit of truth. He speaks through the word. Many people today look for a movement of the Spirit. But the truth is that the Spirit will be found moving most profoundly and powerfully where the truth of God is proclaimed and where Jesus is exalted. The Spirit teaches us the truth about who Jesus is and what he has come to do. He is our teacher. And then the Spirit also makes a way for Jesus to dwell with us. He says in verse 20, In that day, what day is that? In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So what what day is Jesus talking about here? I believe he's talking about the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit falls on the disciples. And when that happens, not only will they know things about the Father and the Son, but Jesus says that he will manifest himself to them. Look at verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Think about it. Jesus is is leaving his disciples, and yet he promises his own presence to be with them as the Spirit comes. They would not be alone. He would not leave them as orphans. And then when Judas, not Iscariot, asked how this would be, Jesus clarifies that he and the Father would come make their home with them, that the Holy Spirit would come and bring the presence of the Father and the Son. Verse 23, my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus says that when the Spirit comes, he will be the means by which the Father and the Son make their home in the believer. What a mysterious and yet beautiful truth. And this is a great comfort because what these disciples are learning is that while Jesus will not be with them physically, 
he will be with them spiritually. They're still going to be able to talk to Jesus. And we have the same blessing. We can talk to Jesus because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. The triune God dwells in you by faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit causes the Father and the Son to dwell in the hearts and the lives of his people. Think about this. Jesus goes to prepare a place for us in the Father's house, and he does this by means of his death and resurrection. And because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells in believers and makes a place, a home for the Father and the Son so that we might become temples of the Holy Spirit. The Father and the Son making home within us all because Jesus went to the cross in order to prepare a home for us in heaven. Temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, do we always feel that way? We're temples of the Holy Spirit? No. Because we grieve the Spirit and we quench the Spirit. But that does not mean that He's not there. He's there to convict us of our sins and He's there to bring us to the foot of the cross. Think about this. What makes us convicted of our sin? What makes us see our need for a crucified Savior? The Spirit does. The Spirit who dwells within us and who is making a dwelling place for the Father and the Son. It is through the ministry of the Spirit that we are united to Christ. So what does the Spirit do? He dwells in us forever. He is our advocate. He is our teacher. He makes us a dwelling place. And then... He produces the peace of Jesus in us. Jesus says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now when we think of peace, we often think of the lack of conflict. Or maybe sitting on a beach somewhere. Or we think of everybody just getting along. Well, that's not the type of peace that Jesus is talking about here. He's not saying that there won't be conflict in your lives. He's saying that when I send my spirit, he is going to work the fruit of the spirit in you. And you will have the same peace that I have. I don't know if you've noticed, but in this passage Jesus talks about love, joy, and peace. What are those? The first three fruits of the Spirit. He knows that for these disciples, they won't experience that worldly idea of peace. They're going to face great persecution. And yet, even when there is suffering and opposition... Because the Spirit is coming to them, they will have the same peace that Jesus had. 
And we, by means of the Spirit, can have the same peace as well. So we've seen who the Spirit is, what He does. Now let's consider how do we know we have the Spirit? How do we know we have the Spirit? Well, the passage this morning begins with, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then right after that, Jesus talks about sending the Spirit. And then there are those other verses that say the same thing. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Then he says it in the negative in verse 24. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Jesus says in these verses, you know you have the Spirit if you love me. You know you have the Spirit if you desire to obey my commands. Jesus is emphasizing the need for obedience to his commands. Christians are to keep God's word. We we are to obey it. Obedience matters. But I want to be clear. Jesus isn't talking about works-based salvation. Uh, We don't believe what the Roman Catholic Church believes, that a person is justified by their faith and obedience. The Bible teaches that a person is justified by faith alone. We are saved from our sins not because of what we do or what we don't do, but because of what Christ has done. That being said, obedience matters. Obedience matters to Jesus. And what should motivate us to obey Jesus? Well, not fear of judgment, because we are not saved by our own works, but love, love, should motivate us, our love for Jesus. Now, if we think about our lives and ask, what about the moments in my life where I find myself loving the things of this world more than Jesus? In our weakness, we all fail at loving God like we should. And so, think about it. If if our obedience and love for Jesus was automatic, then why would he need to send us a helper? But he has. The Holy Spirit is sent to us because he is the one who empowers us to live a life of love and obedience to Jesus. You know you have the Spirit if your love for Jesus is not just feelings and emotions, but it, it, it gives you a desire to obey all that he commands. You know you have the Spirit if you're growing in that obedience to Jesus. There may be some in this room where you're not obeying his commands and you're walking down the wrong path and you feel defeated and shameful You feel the weight of conviction. Well, be encouraged, Christian. If you feel the weight of conviction, if you hear the spirit of truth saying you are disobeying the Lord Jesus, if you sense the spirit telling you that you are sinning, 
then that's a good thing. That's evidence that you have the Spirit. If you feel conviction over your sin, you know that you have the Spirit of God in your life. Remember, He is the Holy Spirit. He is holy, and yet He is also the one who sanctifies people in lives of holiness. He is holy, and He is the one who makes people holy. And lastly, if you, you know that you have the Spirit, if the Spirit is pointing you to Jesus, if He's helping you remember the things that Jesus has said, if you love the Bible and you want to obey God's Word more and more, that's evidence that you have the Spirit. A person doesn't show the Holy Spirit lives in them by bizarre behavior. evidence that a person is filled with the Holy Spirit because they, are, they know and they obey the commands of the Lord Jesus because they love him. Jesus makes clear that those who don't believe in him, those who do not love and obey him, don't have the Spirit. They don't have the comfort that he offers. They don't have the joy and the peace and the love Jesus says the world cannot receive the Spirit because it neither sees Him or knows Him. And so maybe you're here this morning and you need the Spirit. You might be hearing these things and, and, and thinking, well, I definitely don't have the Spirit in my life. How do I receive the Spirit? You need to believe in Jesus. You need to believe in Jesus to experience this comfort, to experience the empowerment to be able to love and obey Jesus, you need to believe in Jesus. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, tells us that those who believe in Jesus are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. All of this is made possible by what Jesus is about to go through. He would leave that upper room and he would go to the cross and die for our sins. And his sacrifice would be sufficient because the, the ruler of this world, Satan, had no claim on him. Jesus was sinless, and he would be the perfect sacrifice in order to satisfy the wrath of God. The promise of the Holy Spirit is based on what Jesus does in his redemptive work. Jesus went to the cross. He suffered the wrath of God on our behalf, and yet he rose from the dead. He says in verse 18 to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Most likely here, Jesus is referring to his post-resurrection appearance to the disciples, which proved that he had defeated death. And because he lives, they would also live. And then after that, he ascended back into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And so in all of our troubles and all of our pain, we are to remember where Christ is. Physically, at the right hand of God the Father. And yet with us 
by his spirit. And so in response to what we've all heard this morning, we should strive to show our love for Jesus by obeying his commandments. And yet part of doing this is acknowledging that we need help. The Christian life, living the Christian life, is not easy. The culture around us tries to influence us and into all sorts of ungodliness. Our flesh wars against the spirit. And the ruler of this world, Satan, tries to get us to believe his lies. So we must pray that the Lord, through his spirit, works in us to live for him, not for ourselves, not for this world. We are able to love and obey Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit comforts and empowers disciples to love and obey Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who comforts us and empowers us to love and obey Jesus. Spirit, we ask that you would work in us, that you would comfort us in moments of suffering and persecution, that you would remind us of who we are in Christ in moments of doubt or temptation, and that you would teach us as a church, lead us into more and more truth so that we would know your word and love your word and live by your word so that we would love Jesus more. And then that would be the motivation for our obedience to him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.